0: Hello and welcome to Meditations from Middle Earth. My name is Strider and I'm a Christian worker here in where I call Middle Earth. We love to meditate on God's Word and He's given us so many unique and rich experiences here in Middle Earth. And I'd like to share those insights with you here on Meditations from Middle Earth. Today I thought I'd like to share some traveling stories. We've traveled a lot in coming all the way out here to Middle Earth, and we've traveled a lot in Middle Earth. And God's taught us a lot of things while we've been on the road, as it were. Uh, I remember when we first uh, came to Middle Earth, we were originally supposed to come straight here to minus Tirith here in Gondor, but unfortunately Gondor was at that time under a civil war. And so as they were fighting, it wasn't that we were unwilling to come to a country uh, where there was fighting and unrest going on. In fact, we wanted to come and help uh, during that time, but uh, our company really didn't know how to get us here with infrastructure being completely collapsed and... Uh, visas being a real difficulty, we we really didn't know how to go to Minas Tureth at that time. So they sent us to Rohan and we uh, taught English there in an institute in Rohan for a year and a half until we were able to go across to Gondor and uh, begin the uh, ministry assignment that the Lord had had for us. And so... Once I got to Rohan, we had to figure out how am I going to get to Gondor? How how are we going to get there and get visas and have housing and uh, have a a reason for our presence? Obviously, since it's a communist country with a Muslim population, uh, they're not just going to let us come in and tell people about Jesus for no reason. We have to have a reason to be there. So we needed Uh, some kind of humanitarian aid is what we were thinking and so with all those questions on the table I needed to go and I needed to find out what's going on. I didn't understand anything about the political uh, or social situation at the time. I was teaching English in Rohan and I was talking to my neighbor one day and he said that he was actually from Minas Tureth and hadn't been Back to Minas Tourth in uh, many years because of the Civil War. And he thought, well, now might be a good time to go. And so he had a car. I didn't have a car at that time. And uh, I said, hey, if you, you know, I'll pay for the trip if you'll drive me and we'll go and we'll stay a week and then we'll come back. He thought that was great. He said his brother was a good driver and driving up over the mountain passes was quite dangerous, but he was a good driver. So we'll take his brother and we'll go. So we got up, I think it was a Saturday morning, and we went straight out to the local bazaar where we bought 25 loaves of bread. Uh, Rohan was famous for uh, its flat bread called naan and these 25 loaves of naan were a special famous kind of naan and i thought wow these guys can't even go 1 week without their special naan that's that's crazy but we load them up in the back of the car and off we went towards the border it was only an hour to the border there with uh, between Rohan and Gondor and then we and when we got there My neighbor gets out of the car and he says, all right, I've got hot bread. Who wants hot bread? And he passes out the hot bread and we go across the border and nobody even looks at my documents, which I just thought was crazy. And so we go up over the pass and it's and it was around 10 hours to get up and over that pass and down to Minas Turroth on the other side of the mountain range there. And we went through seven checkpoints. As we went over that pass and went through those checkpoints, at each checkpoint, he would get out and say, all right, who wants hot bread? I've got hot bread here. And he's passing out the hot bread. And it's not even all that hot by the time we get there, obviously, but it is more or less fresh. And it's delicious. And people took it gladly. And nobody looked at my documents. And we got all the way there to... Minus Tureth, and we're there, and I spend a week, I meet some important people for me to know, uh, some people that would later help me get a visa and help me get into the country permanently, and uh, I was very thankful for that, it was a fruitful week, and we got in the car and we went back over the pass, and of course, we didn't have 25 loaves of fresh, delicious naan, we... We had nothing. And so we went up over the pass. We stopped at the checkpoints. Several people registered me and they said, oh, we're very sorry. You're a dear guest. Thank you for coming to our country. Uh, we hope you don't mind if we register you and write down your passport information here. I said, you know, it's no problem. Don't worry about it. It's your job. It, it, it's fine. And they wrote down my name and wrote down my passport number. And we went all the way down to the border. Everybody's happy. Everybody's fine. Albeit the country's in civil war. And we get down to the, the border and we go across the Gonder side. Uh, no problems. Nobody uh, says anything to me about you know anything being uh, wrong. And then we get to the Rohan side. And the Rohan government, let's just say, uh, they're more strict about more things uh, than most other countries around the world. And they're not known for being really nice at the border, let's just say. So, as we pull up in front of the the little station there, where the guard's going to check our documents, my neighbor says, I recognize that guy. Where do I know that guy from? And he just left the question hanging there as I got out of the car and I went and I presented my uh, documents to uh, the guard. And he looks at them and he says, OK, here's your Rohan visa. Where is your Gondor visa? I said, did I need a Gondor visa? He says, well, yeah, you've just come from Gondor. You should have a Gondor visa in your passport. Where is your Gondor visa? And I was so ignorant that I didn't even know I was supposed to have one. I know that sounds incredible to you now, but at the time it just didn't even occur to me. And nobody had said anything about it all this way during the trip. And now here I am back in Rohan. So my neighbor's brother gets out of the car. He says, what's the deal? And the guard says, hey, he doesn't have a Gondor visa. And the brother says, well, He doesn't need one this is rohan he's got a rohan visa well the guard didn't think that was very funny at all and he didn't laugh and there's a way that they set their face just before they're going to really give someone a hard time and he was beginning to set his face in the expression of oh this is going to cost you this is a big problem we're, we're going to have to do something about this. And he was just giving me the serious face when around the front of the car came my neighbor. And he looked right at this guy and he says, you went to school with my son. And his face changed. It just fell. He looked crushed and defeated. And he wagged his head back and forth and he said, yes, I did. And he handed my passport back to me, and we got in the car, and I knew that in this life and the next, it's not what you know, or even what passport stamp you have, it's who you know. On a later occasion, I would go across the border there looking for an airplane. There was an airplane Uh, that flew between a city right there on the border and uh, up over the pass to the capital city of Minas Tirith. And uh, obviously, instead of 10 hours up over uh, a dusty, difficult, dangerous pass, uh, a 45-minute airplane flight sounded pretty attractive. So I spoke with my language teacher there in Rohan, and he arranged a taxi for us to go, and we went, and as we came up to the border, the taxi driver said, do you have any money? And I said, um, well, yeah, I've got I've got some dollars, obviously, for the trip. Uh, and he said, well, you know, they, they always uh, hassle you here at the border, uh, and they'll ask you if you have American dollars, and if you do, it's going to be a big problem, and why don't you just give the American dollars to me? And they won't ask me if I've got American dollars, because obviously I'm a national guy from Rohan, and they won't even think that I have any, so they won't ask. And when they ask you, you can truthfully tell them, no, you don't have any. And then when we get to the other side of the border, I'll give them back to you. Well, I thought this was a terrible idea. I didn't like the idea of being dishonest. Um, and I didn't like the idea of handing $300 over to this guy that I didn't know. And so we argued back and forth, but my language teacher uh, seemed to think this was a genius idea and that nothing could go wrong. And they pressured me and pressured me. And finally, I gave him and I said, OK. And I took the money out of my bag and I handed it to him. I said, here's three hundred dollars. And he took it and he put it in his sock in his, in his sock there. And uh, we came to the border they didn't ask us anything. We went right across the border without any big problems at all. And we got to the other side and he pulled out and said, here is your $200. And I said, oh, I don't think so. I gave you $300. He said, no, you only gave me $200. I said, no, it was 300 And I just got a really bad feeling right then. And I'm sitting in the back seat and I hit his seat hard. And I said, don't you do this. You give me my hundred dollars. And he said, no, I don't, I don't have any. And he took off his, his shoes and socks and said, look, I I don't have any other money. This is all you gave me was $200. I said, no, I gave you $300. And we argued back and forth and I got really angry. And finally he just, you know, he said, by God, by God, I have not, I've taken any money. I've given you all the money back. Well, we went round and round, and my teacher did not know what to do. And finally, he said, look, just just go ahead and go. I won't charge you anything for the taxi ride. And I said, well, you got got $100 for a, a $15 taxi ride, so I think that's enough. And uh, I was so angry, and I got out of the car, and we went and got another taxi to the airport, and he went back to Rohan. And i went on to the airport where i I discovered that there was no plane that day so great so i got back to the border got another taxi came back home and i thought well i'll have to go down to the other taxi stand and take the 12 hour ride down the southern end through the southern border and go to the capital city so i'll stop by the house I'll, I'll get a jacket because that also goes over, over a pass. And, um, and then I'll head on to the taxi stand. So as I was home, I was getting a jacket. And as I was opening my bag, I discovered in a separate pocket my other $100 that I had not, in fact, given to this guy at all. I had only given him $300. The other 100 was in a separate pocket of my bag. And I felt completely humiliated and i went to my teacher and i said look i found the other hundred and this guy didn't speak hardly any english at all but he looks at me and he says strider stress i said yes i've caused a lot of stress for no reason i i I went on and went to minus turret that day and a week later came back we took some non, some flatbread and the money for the taxi fare to the taxi driver that I had not paid because I thought he'd stolen from me. And I apologized and I gave him the money and I gave him the non. And I don't think he was very sincere when he forgave me, but I learned a valuable lesson. I learned that in Middle Earth, there's a hundred reasons a day while well, you will be perfectly justified in blowing up, in being really angry, in getting really upset and frustrated. But the one time you do, you'll be wrong. A few months later, I was in Minas Turith and I needed to travel back to Rohan. And I got in a, in a, in a, in a jeep and uh, it, was a, it was an extra long jeep i I've never seen such a thing in the West, uh, but it was kind of an extended Jeep. And uh, we managed to fit 14 people in there, believe it or not. I think it officially sat six, but nevertheless, there were 14 of us in there, uh, all crammed in. And we were going to go up over the 11,600 foot pass and zigzag all the way back down the valley and along the river and out to Rohan. And... A trip like that would take 9 or 10 hours. If, if the driver really flew and we didn't have too many problems, maybe he could do it in 8. And we left in the morning, and I thought, I'll be in Rohan in time to eat dinner with my friends and have a meeting with uh, my teammates, and we'll be able to, uh, to do some business that I, that I needed to get done. And off we took off in the taxi. As we started up the mountain, it became clear that a young girl in the middle of the taxi uh, got motion sickness. And this is really unfortunate because this road is a largely dirt road. Uh, There is some paved sections, but those paved sections are uh, the roughest, worst sections of the road because they're all crumbling. And as we zigzagged up over the pass, uh, she became more and more sick, throwing up. They asked me, they said, do you have any medicine? And I said, well, if she's stomach sick, I, I have this Peptobismol tablets, but if it's motion sickness, uh, then this won't I don't have anything that'll help. And uh, they said, well let's let's give her the stomach sickness tablets and, and see if that helps. So I gave her the peptobismol tablets and uh, yeah, it was pretty apparent fairly quickly that that wasn't going to help. Uh, she was throwing up pink, uh, everywhere at this point, with the pink peptobismo foaming up all over the place. Yeah, it wasn't nice. And um, and and now let me just tell you something about these roads. Uh, the the dirt on those dirt roads, it's really really fine, like like baby powder. And uh, even when a donkey would walk along, a cloud of dust would come up behind him because this baby powder is so light and fine. Uh, anything can stir it up, and as Uh, You would drive along in a Jeep like we were in. The inside of the cabin would just fill up with this dust. And uh, we would pack our bags and then pack inside of our bags, uh, wrap everything in other plastic bags. Because by the time you got to your destination, the inside of your bag was always filled with this dirt, this baby powder-like dirt. And everything would be filthy and you just felt like you were just wearing all the dust of Middle Earth. And so we came down the other side and when we got down to the other side of the pass, there's four bridges that go across uh, this river uh, as it zigzags back and forth down the mountain valley. And when we came to the first one, the bridge was out. The normal practice here was that these bridges were these giant iron structures and they were covered with wood. And cars would go and trucks would go across this bridge until the wood was all broken and splintered and fallen to bits and holes the size of trucks would appear. And then the villagers would come out, erect a barricade to stop the traffic, and then they would put more wood on the bridge, let the cars come back across, and the process would continue. Cars would cross until the wood was all disintegrated and falling into the river. And when the holes opened up too big, they'd stop it and put more wood on the bridge. And so we sat and we waited for them to repair, note the quotation marks around the word repair, the bridge. And we sat there for a couple hours. And this trip was already taking much longer than it would normally take. And I was already calculating that there was no way I was going to make it there in time for dinner. But no problem. I will get there to Rohan and have my meeting with my teammates and get some of the business done that we needed to get done. And then the taxi driver said, actually, would it be okay if we went up the river instead of down it to drop off some of these passengers who live just 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 a couple of kilometers up the hill here? Oh, yes, everybody thought that that was a wonderful idea. I'm very kind of him. I, of course knew that a couple of kilometers would turn into more than a couple of kilometers and that I was about to lose hours and hours more of my day, which is exactly what happened. So we went up, we dropped off the passengers, we came all the way back down. We waited for more bridges that were out to be repaired. And finally, as we're pulling down to the border, it's coming around 10 o'clock at night. They harassed me a lot at the border that day. They went through every piece of everything in my bag, asking what it was and why I needed it. And then when I finally got across, it was coming on 11 o'clock at night. I had missed dinner. I had missed my meeting. I had missed any opportunity to get the things done that I felt I needed to get done that day. I was pretty discouraged, and my head was killing me. From being slung back and forth all day in that Jeep and being covered with all the dust of Middle Earth. And I leaned my head against the window and looked up at the stars and I was just miserable. And then a song came into my mind. An old Feral Feral song back from the 1980s. And the refrain went, All I need is Jesus. All I need is Jesus. All I really need is him. And I thought about that. And I thought, is that true? Is all I need Jesus? Because if it was all I needed, then he was there with me. And I had all that I needed right now. That really got my attention that day. I've tried to live like that ever since. And some days are beautiful days where I walk with Jesus. I hear his voice. I work in partnership with him in helping hurting people. And some days are just a nuisance. (laughs) Some days are just trouble and strife and difficulty where nothing ever seems to go right. And I forget the lesson that I learned that day, but I'm trying, trying to live as if all I need is Jesus. And if he's all I need, then I have what I need. This has been Meditations from Middle Earth. May God be your ever-present teacher and richly bless you on your journey.